morning and welcome to Victory Church. Today is Sunday, April 19, 2020 from Odessa, Texas. We say welcome to each one of you, our dear viewers and listeners. This is a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord and we pray. Thank you, Father, for the gift of life, Lord. What a privilege, Lord, we have to sing to you, to worship you, Lord. We are alive, Lord best day of our lives because we are alive. In the name of Jesus, receive the songs that we have for you today, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. Our God is good, greater. He is our healer. We are stronger. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Our God is good, faithful, stronger. He is our healer. He is our God, and we serve only Him. Water you turned into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. Amen. Into the darkness you shine. Healer, awesome and powerful. 
That's right. Give God all the glory, all the glory. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Nothing, nothing, no matter what, anything happens, we will serve the Lord. I'm done building my own kingdom. No more seeking worthless
Thank you, Father, for all the wonderful things you are doing in our lives. This morning, Lord, we are so happy, so happy to be alive, so happy to be in your presence, so happy, Lord, because you are risen. Let's say it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that you took us from death. You took us, Father, from, from sin. You took us, Lord, from, from the pit of desolation and desperation. We were abandoned, Lord. We were in a big mess. But now, Lord, we are alive in you. How can we pay you back, Lord? for your love and your mercy. The time has come for us to receive God's word. We have praised him, adored him, and worshiped him. Now we will hear a powerful message that our Lord has poured down into our pastor's heart. Let's get ready to receive the inspiration that we need this week to go into battle with faith in our Lord Jesus. Let's give a hand to our Lord God and all together say, one, two, three, victory. Yay, Lord. The topic of today is how to get my joy back in this season. As you recognize, this is the famous painting, the Mona Lisa. Even her was forced <laughs> to wear a mask in these days. That's pathetic, but it, you know, it's just the truth. This season was pretty bad for many, many people. All of us were affected. All of us. There is no one person that did not get affected with this. And you know, it's sad, but here we are. April 19, 2020, our worship service number 186. And I want to invite you to go to our website. Vchurch.us, look for the tab bulletins, and then you can download the bulletin. Our church members here present, they have access to the bulletin that are, are printed. And uh, so we are going to follow the notes there. Praise the name of God. Let me start by reading this scripture in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Psalm 51, verse 8. Let me hear the sounds of joy and happiness again. Let the bones you crushed be happy again. What? What? 
Let the bones you crush be happy again. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That is, this is something wrong here in this scripture. What I have done here? Oh, my goodness. I think there is a mistake with the scripture. Let the bones you crush. Wait, wait a minute. I want to understand this sound because that's something weird. Hmm. If I remember right, Psalm 51 was written by David. And these are some prayers. So he says, let me hear sounds of joy and happiness again. Let the bones you crushed, you crushed. Is he, pray, is, is he saying that to God? Is he blaming God? Wait a minute, that's weird. Is God mean? That is a question that a lot of people have in these days, right? Is God mean? Is God really mean? Am I dumb that I cannot see what's going on here? What is the truth in this matter? Something is not right in this picture, and I want to know what's going on. Why did David write this? Let me hear the sounds of joy and happiness again. Do we agree on that? Yes. Yes, we want to hear the sounds of joy and happiness again. But this part is strange. Let the bones you crushed be happy again. Okay, so I really don't get it. Many people are thinking, right? Psalm 51, 8. What a strange scripture. Okay, so why are we disappointed, frustrated, angry, sad, bitter, and resentful sometimes, friends? Why is that? Basically, when we say, I didn't get what I wanted. <laughs> I didn't get what I wanted. That's why I'm disappointed. That's why I'm frustrated. That's why I'm angry. That's why I'm sad. That's why I'm bitter and why, that's why I'm resentful. I didn't get what I wanted. And we see that every day in our homes, right? With the little ones. The little ones are so funny. The little ones, they cannot hide their feelings. You immediately can tell when they are upset, right? The little mouth immediately goes to the front, you know? The eyebrows immediately get together. You know, you barely can see their eyes. It's so obvious. Something is wrong in this picture, and they say, I didn't get what I wanted. That's why I am disappointed, frustrated, angry, sad, bitter, and resentful. The little ones do that. Do you do that, my dear friend? Come on. Come on. Tell me the truth. Do you do that? Do you do that? Aha, uh aha. -huh, uh -huh. And why do we get upset when we didn't get what we wanted? And what is what we really want? You know, basically there are four things that we all want. One of those things is people. We want people. We want somebody to be with us. We want somebody to love. We want somebody to love us. We want somebody to spend our time with. We want people around us. Probably not all the time, but we want to have a life with people. Maybe you are the kind of person that do not have spouse, husband or wife. And that's why you are disappointed, frustrated, angry, sad, bitter or resentful. Maybe your relationship with your ex went south and everything. It was so ugly that you end up by yourself. 
It's possible that that is why you act the way you act. That's why many people you know behave the way they, they behave because they don't have that spouse to love or that spouse that loved them back. And we don't understand the reasons why they are all the time frustrated. So are you the kind of person that is frustrated most of the time? It's possible that is because you don't have a spouse. Is it possible? You need to think about it. The other reason why we get upset and, of course, why we are disappointed and why we don't get and makes us mad is stuff. You didn't get that thing that you wanted to get, whether it's a simple thing as a phone or as a vehicle or a house or whatever. You didn't get that thing. And that's why you are resentful. You hate this person that fired you time ago, and you said, that was the company that I wanted to work with, and I was making terrific money. That's why I hate them. Can't stand these people anymore. Stuff. Other people are upset and disappointed because they didn't get the position they wanted. They were doing anything they could do in order to get that promotion, to get that job, whatever position they wanted to get, even in church. <laughs> I have seen people so upset and leaving the church because they were not promoted to head of this department or supervisor of this ministry just because they didn't get what they wanted. And obviously some people are disappointed because they don't get the recognition they wanted. It's not about people, it's not about the stuff, and it's not about position. I just wanted somebody to say thank you for what I have done. That's why I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm done. I'm not going to do that anymore. Nobody said thank you to me. Nobody appreciated me. So I'm gone. I'm not going to do that again. So do you see a little kid there? <laughs> we act that way sometimes, my friends. But in reality, the issue is, is, is deeper than what we think. It's the violation of the first commandments from the good Lord that he gave us in Exodus 20. What is that? It's called idolatry. Idolatry, my friends. So now, if you read with me the definition on the screen, I, what is an idol? Anything in my heart that comes before God, that's an idol. Anything. It could be a person. It could be stuff. It could be a position. Or it could be recognition. Anything that comes in your heart comes before God, that's an idol. Now, come with me in the reading of Exodus 20, verses 3 to 5 of the first commandment. Get this. You must love me and adore me, says the Lord, above everyone, everything, and even yourself. You must not make a person or a thing, your God. Don't adore idols. I hate that. I, the Lord, I'm your God. If you adore idols, you become my enemies. 
and I will punish you. <laughs> Dear friends, you know, we say, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm a believer. I do things right. You know, I do things by the book. You know, in my company, there are no complaints about my behavior. I follow all the instructions they give me. You know, in my business, I try to please my customers all the time. In my family, I'm such a great person. You know, I never had a problem with, with the police department. Never got a ticket in my life. I never got involved in any kind of accidents. I always do things right. Just check my record, impeccable record. I'm good in every aspect of my life. That sounds pretty good, right? How many people can say that? Well, not many, but there are ones. Now, here is my warning to you. If you are one of those who have done everything by the book, watch this. Because the Lord says, you must love me and adore me above everyone and everything. And even yourself. You must not make a person or a thing your God. Don't adore idols. I hate that. I, the Lord, am your God. If you adore any, if you adore idols, you become my enemies. And I will punish you. Idolatry, it's a common sin among all of us. But just a few acknowledge that sin. Many people even don't think about it. They don't, they are not aware of it. And unfortunately, we are not being told much about it. Because it's not a popular topic. You know, most people, and I hope you are not one of those, you want to hear the feel-good preaching. Right? You know, I love going to the scripture to feel good. Of course. And I know the Lord can make me feel good. But I know the Lord is my father. And as such, he's going to tell me what is right and what is wrong. He's going to praise me when I do right. But the Lord doesn't have a problem to tell me what is wrong. You know? He is not afraid of me. Do you think God is afraid of you? To tell you that you are sinning, that you are worshiping idols, even yourself? God is not afraid of you. He is telling you right now. If you don't like to serve God, if you don't like to worship God, if you all always have an excuse to not worship God, here you go, my dear viewer. You have an idol in your life. And God has no problem in telling you that. It's up to you how you're going to respond to such a thing. It's up to you, my dear friend. The Lord knows that you want to be happy, to be fulfilled, to be loved, to have people around you, to enjoy life, to be somebody, to be appreciated, and to have nice things. The Lord knows all that. The Lord doesn't have a problem with you being happy, fulfilled, loved, with people around you, enjoying life, being somebody, being appreciated and having nice things. He has no problem with that. In fact, he made you that way, and he wants you to enjoy those things. All that, he made you that way. But also, the Lord wants you to know that you were made to worship him. You were made to worship God. All human beings are made that way. It's part of our settings, of our configuration. We are made 
able to think and speak is an attribute, is a feature of us humans. We are made to talk, to listen. We were made to worship God. Simple as that. And when you understand that and you start worshiping God, then is when you are going to be happy. Because worshiping God makes you happy. Above all other things, if there is something that will make you happy, is to worship God. When you put God exactly where he needs to be, top, top shelf, the top part in your life, in your heart, above all things, about things, people, and even yourself, God Almighty, the one that you surrender every day and every night. Every morning before you do anything else, you should be thankful and say your prayers and say a simple statement. Speak those words. Thank you, God, for a new day of life. Guide me today, Lord. Give me the strength to go through what I need to go through today. That's worship. And when you finish your day, before you go to sleep, you say your last prayer. Thank you, God, for this beautiful day you gave me. Keep me safe. Protect my family. Send your angels around me. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. When you start worshiping God, you are going to experience joy, the true joy. Not the excitement of things or people or whatever recognition you, you deserve. You know, getting a, a promotion is awesome. Getting a new title is great in your position. Get, obtaining a degree, buying a new property or a new vehicle or, or making a trip or whatever. All those things that the world offers, those are great. But nothing and nobody will make you as happy as the good Lord. Worshiping God makes you happy. And then when you worship God, you start serving him. Then is when you are going to make other people happy. You see? Worshiping God makes you happy. But when you start to put your hands to work, come and say it. Hands, go to work. Do something. Do something. Because there is always something to do. There is always something to do, my friends. In our homes, there is always something to do. There is always things that we need to clean. There is always something that we need to take care of in our home, in our company, in our work. Same thing. Those who work online, you need to do backups. Clean your keyboard. Dust the cables. Unplug everything. Clean it up. Restart your computer. Check your backups. Move files when you need to move. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of work you do. There is always something to do. You just cannot be dormant there. And when you start to put your hands to work, and then you will enjoy it. And you will understand the importance of being active because that energizes you. Oh, no, Gian. That doesn't energize me. That makes me really, really tired. You have no idea how tired I am at the end, at the end of the day. But now let me, let me tell you this. Isn't it, isn't it great when you are so tired that you are just go, go to bed in less than two minutes? <laughs> you are so tired of working that you just can't do anything else. You are like, 
Ah, Mara, I think if I think, uh, boom. And we enjoy going to sleep by serving others, by being busy. Now, let me tell you something that is even better, that will make you really, really happy, where is the extreme, the greatest joy in your life, is when you understand that God makes you able to multiply. So now, some of you are thinking, I knew that was a good thing to do. I enjoy being with my wife. I enjoy being with my husband. I knew that that is a great thing to do. I love that. Well, not necessarily multiplying, but you know what I mean. You say, of course, that's a great thing to do. Absolutely. But you know that the Lord wanted us to multiply, to have children and grandchildren. Praise the Lord. The Lord wants us to multiply, but not just in terms of human multiplication. There is other way to multiply ourselves that have nothing to do with having children. It is by making an influence in the life of others. When you start helping somebody to be better, to do better, that is a multiplication process that we all need to experience, and you can do it. Some people think, well, you know, I never had the chance to have a kid. I wish I could, but I never did. Well, some people just can't for whatever reasons. The Lord knows why. But you still can multiply yourself. How? By making an influence in the life of others. Giving to people what you have, what you know. Teaching people certain things that they will remember you forever. And they will say, I will never forget that such and such person show me how to do this. The example this person gave us in the company for all these years working. You know, I have a dear friend of mine who works in a grocery store for over 25 years. And he is a great example of discipline, responsibility, kindness. He is such a great guy. And he, and he is not looking for recognition or anything like that. He just goes to work. He works there in the grocery store, serves to everybody. He's compliant with everybody. And he works hard, and he is always in church. <laughs> so to our people in the church, he is giving an example of being faithful to God with and without the virus. And for the people in where he works, he's an example by showing them that with or without virus, he's there. And with or without virus, he goes to church. Without thinking, he is multiplying himself just by being a great example. And that is the greatest joy that you can ever experience. When people look at you and they say, man, you are really a great example for everybody. We love to see what, doing what you are doing because you, you teach us how to be a great girl. How to be a great wife. How to be a good mama, a good grandma, great friend. The greatest joy is to multiply yourself. But today I'm going to share with you a story that will explain to you why David wrote what he wrote in Psalm 51. Are you ready for this story? All right. The story is described in the second book of Samuel, 
chapter 11 forward. And I'm going to read as you have it on the screen. And you have it in the bulletins as well. In the spring, when kings go out to war, David sent Joab, his officers, and all the Israelites out to battle. But David stayed in Jerusalem. One evening, he got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of his house. From there, he saw a woman bathing. She was very beautiful. So David sent for his officers and asked them, who was she? An officer answered, that is Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam. She is the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Anyway, David sent messengers to go and bring Bathsheba to him. Okay. It's the time where everyone goes to battle. Everyone goes to work. David didn't want it to go this time. He decided to stay home. And one evening he got up. In the evening, got up, and there is a woman bathing on the roof of, his, of her house. That's kind of curious, huh? What, what, what was he doing that afternoon, you know? Sleeping, sleeping with everyone is at work. Uh-oh. Problems start when you don't do your part. Problems start when you have nothing to do. When you are not keeping yourself busy and doing your part while everybody else is working and doing something. That evening, he got up and he goes and sees this woman, very beautiful, bathing on the roof. Why in the world this woman is bathing on the roof where she knows the king can see her from his palace? And now here are the employees, the officers working for David, explained to him that, he was, that she was married. She is married actually to one of the guys that is fighting for you, your majesty. She's married. And David said, Bring her here. Why some people, knowing that what somebody else is about to do is wrong, do not stop this person? Well, many times because of money. These guys work for David. So they said, no. If he says so, I'm going to do it. I don't want to lose my job. So many people, they do anything in order to keep their jobs even when it's, when it's immoral, when it's not right. But the, the godly person must say no to what is wrong. And trusting God that the Lord will protect him or protect her by doing what is right, even though it's the owner of the company who is telling you to do something wrong, that is immoral. You have to stop and say, I'm sorry, but no. Those guys should say to the, to the king, your majesty, with, your majesty, with all respect, this woman is married to one of the guys that is fighting for you, for your kingdom. And you want us to bring her here? Why? Your majesty, you have plenty of women here. You have many wives. What's wrong with you? 
When someone that is in a position of authority and has in some way authority over you, work-wise, business-wise, family relationship, and this person is doing something wrong or planning to do something wrong, it is your job to stop that person and trust in God by doing what is right. I'm going to lose my job. You know, after all, you know, he's always like that. You know, this is not the first time he's doing it. Excuses, excuses. You have to say no to what is wrong. Stop evil actions in others, even if they are your superiors. You can just at least say it. Your majesty, are you sure about this? You know, David, we have fought for you. I have worked in this company. You know, I'm your relative forever. I love you, man. I love you, lady. You are my best friend. I, I, I will do anything for you. But are you sure about this? Because this woman is married. You saw her. You know it's beautiful. She is really girl. We know that. We have seen her. And you have told us many times about the importance of having integrity. You are always praising God. You forgot that? Your majesty, with all respect, you don't want to think twice about this? What if you go to sleep and, you know, you have other women there? Tomorrow we can talk about it. With all respect, sir. No. They didn't stop him. And you know what happened. He brought the girl. They had sex. And the girl got pregnant. Adultery now. It's a fact. So he, David, decided to bring the husband, Uriah, to, to Jerusalem. He said, you know what, guys? Bring this guy. He will go to his home. He's going to make love to his wife, and she will get pregnant. Really? <laughs> so we, you know, are good. We are good. We are not going to have any problems. Because people are so good to invent lies and stories. To try to confuse the rest so they don't have to admit their guilt and responsibility. Now, let's bring him. So they brought Uriah, the husband. Well, he didn't go to his home. David questioned him and they said, man, what are you doing here? You should be in your house with your wife, with your wife. Don't you want to go there? And Uriah said to David, listen to this, verse 11. The Ark of the Covenant and the soldiers of Israel and Judah are staying in tents. My Lord Joab and my Lord's officers are camping out in the field. It is not right for me to go home to eat and drink and sleep with my wife. I will not do it. What about that for an answer to someone that doesn't have integrity in some point of his life? What kind of answer is that? Shocking, huh? Striking. Victims quite often can say things that are so deep and profound. 
And this is what happened here. Well, David didn't say anything. Uriah stayed in Jerusalem until the next morning. And then David called him again. Uriah ate and drank with David. Listen to this, guys. David got him drunk. But Uriah still did not go home. Now we are going to a new level of doing what is wrong. Enough was to bring the woman. Now she got pregnant. Enough was with doing that. And then manipulating the husband to come here to cover the issue. So now he wanted to get intoxicated, the husband. What kind of person does such a thing? Now, for everyone who loves David, and I love David, and we all recite Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And we all proclaim the goodness of David, defying Goliath. Right? It's hard to believe that this guy is doing such a thing. Is it? Isn't it hard to believe that? But it's the truth. Because all of us, my friends, one way or other, we have the dark side. No, I'm not Gianna. That's not me. <laughs> of course you have a dark side. You don't know anything about me. I know. I don't know anything about you. Maybe I know some things about you. But I know something. You have a dark side. Oh, yes, you do. You think you don't have a dark side, but yes, you do. There are some things that nobody knows about you, about your thoughts, about your desires. There is something there inside of each one of us. It's called flesh. The desires of the flesh that are against the desires of the spirit. Paul speaks about it in the book of Romans. How this fight within us doesn't give us a break and quite often we fail. And Paul himself, the apostle said, I don't know what to do with myself because the, one, the good things I want to do, I don't do. And the bad things that I don't want to do, I do. So you do have a dark side. You that are so wonderful, you have a dark side. David has it. I have it. Every one of us. We have to be just aware of that and ask God to guide us, to protect us, that we don't give in to the desires of the flesh. But look at David. Now he got him drunk. <laughs> All right, let's continue with the story. The next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab, the general, and made Uri, Uri carry the letter in the letter David wrote. Look at this. Put Uriah on the front lines where the fighting is the hardest. Then leave him there alone and let him be killed in battle. Boy. So now, not just the adultery, the manipulation, getting him drunk. Now David became a murderer. A murderer. Someone so innocent, so faithful. <laughs> David did. Let's continue reading. That Sheba heard that her husband Uriah had died, and she mourned for him. Yeah, you imagine, imagine that, right? 
She knew what she was doing. And don't tell me women don't do what they are doing. They, they, you know what you are doing. And you know that getting involved with a married man when you are married is wrong. I didn't know that. <laughs> we are so cute sometimes. <laughs> I didn't know that was wrong. You know, I just thought that we had dinner. <laughs> really? <laughs> I didn't know his intentions. You didn't know his intentions. I mean, this is a rich guy. He's famous for being a womanizer. And you are married. And you accepted the invitation to go out to have dinner. And you didn't know it. Oh, boy. But she heard that her husband, Uriah, had died. So she mourned for him. I'm so sad. But after her time of sadness, of course, <laughs> David sent servants to bring her to his house. She became David's wife and gave birth to a son for David. But the Lord did not like what David had done. So how many months have passed since the moment he saw her to the time that the Lord didn't like what it says that, that the Lord didn't like what David had done? How many months at least? Nine months. Pregnancy time. Some people wonder many times, and they ask me this question. They ask me, why is it that sometimes people that are doing wrong things, they keep on going with their life like nothing happened? Why is it that some people that are doing wrong things, their business keeps running, their health keeps okay, and everything seems to be okay? Why is it? But in my case... I'm here in this trouble and I don't see a solution and I'm going to church and I am praying and I'm doing the right thing. You know, and these guys, they go to church. They go to church and they are in adultery relationships, doing what is wrong, firing people that are loyal employees and everything seems to be okay with them. Why is it? But the Lord did not like what David had done. Period. So now let's see in chapter 12 what happens. Are you interested in this? Oh, this is so wonderful. The Lord sent Nathan, the prophet, to David and said, There were two men in a city. Your, your majesty, I want to tell you this report. One man was rich, but the other man was poor. The rich man had lots of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little lamb that he bought. The poor man fed the lamb, and the lamb grew up with this poor man and his children. She ate from the poor man's food and drank from his cup. The lamb slept on the poor man's chest. The lamb was like a daughter to the poor man. So David is listening very attentively. What a story. Now, David is a shepherd. You see how clever the Lord is? David is a shepherd. So David connected with the story because he loves sheep. He knew how was a sheep. So that is the way that the Lord will tell you things when you are doing what is wrong. He will just guide the conversation and the thoughts in such a way that they will connect with you. And then you are like, that's so sweet. I know sheep. I know this. I know that. And then when you are so connected like David was, <laughs> identified with the story, 
Here's Nathan. He continues. And he says, Then a traveler stopped to visit the rich man. The rich man wanted to give food to the traveler. But he did not want to take any of his own sheep or cattle to feed the traveler. No. The rich man took the lamb from the poor man and cooked it for his visitor. David became very angry with the rich man. He said to Nathan, watch this, guys. Here's David. The man of integrity, the man doing the right thing, serving God in church, you know. David is upset and he says, surely the man who did this should die. He must pay four times the price of the lamb because he did this terrible thing and because he had no mercy. So everyone in the palace is shocked. And everyone is just thinking, man, the king is really mad. And he is right. Are we in agreement on this? Everyone in the palace, have you listened to what the king has said? He is upset and he is right. Because we have to do what is right. Nathan is just listening after the story. He listens to what David says. And he goes, uh-huh. Verse 7. Then Nathan say, said to David, You are that rich man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I chose you to be who you are. I saved you many times. I let you think, take many things. As if that had not been enough, I would have given you more and more. So why did you ignore my command? Why did you do what I say is wrong? You showed me that you did not respect me. I will punish you so that all the people of Israel can see it. Is that clear enough to you, David? Your majesty? Here is Nathan, right? So you are that rich man. You have done many things wrong. And the Lord says to you finally that he will punish you. And everyone in Israel will see it. Everybody, because everybody knows that what you did was wrong. Getting this married woman into bed, sending this guy to battle, to let him be killed, and then you marry this woman trying to cover it. Everybody knows it is wrong. Because even people that are in, in positions of honor and authority, leaders of our community, people that are in church, leaders of the church sometimes, people in general that have money, they think that they can do things their way and everything is going to be okay because everybody will just shush. My friends, with God, it's not like that. It's just a matter of time. But why, Gian? People are doing wrong things and everything seems to be good with them. It's just a matter of time, my friend. Because like any other thing in life, it takes time to evolve. It just takes time. When you are doing the right thing, it takes time to see the good results. And when you are doing the wrong thing, it's going to take time to get punished. Then David said to Nathan, <laughs> Hello, lights are on. I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, 
the Lord will forgive you. Even for this sin, you will not die. The key was David acknowledged his sin. What about you? When you are confronted by God in your heart that you are doing what is wrong, that you have not worshipped him as he deserves because he is God, not the idols that probably you have or had, what do you do with that? You get upset or you acknowledge that that was wrong? You know, David messed up big time here. But one thing we have to say about David is that he did the right thing here. He said, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan immediately said, the Lord will forgive you. Even for this sin, you will not die. So David was asking himself, am I dumb? <laughs> is God mean? And then he writes Psalm 51. He says, let me hear sounds of joy and happiness again. Let the bones you crushed be happy again. Now you understand why he said, let the bones you crushed. The punishment that we lived, sometimes allowed by God, sometimes things that happen in our lives are teaching us tremendous truths in order to acknowledge our sin and come back to him. Do you want to come back to God? My friend, do you want to come back to God for real? You know what that means? Yeah, I have to pray more. No, that's not enough. No? I thought the prayer was enough. And reading my Bible here, no, you read the Bible like you, like you read the news. You just check the headlines. Done. Returning to God is more than that, my friend. It's not just about being a good person, you know. That's great. Returning to God is when you devote your life to Him, to worship Him every single day of your life. And here is the bad news for you, for your flesh. Returning to God means you return to church. You have to return to church to be in person, walking to the building where everybody else is worshiping God. That also means returning to God. Returning to God also includes something that I want to show you. Your wallet. <laughs> returning to God means that you are going to use these little guys not just to take care of your things, but to give to the Lord what belongs to him. Otherwise, you are stealing from God. Returning to God means not just that. That means that you will come to church and offer your service in one way or other. That is the meaning of returning to God. So let me ask you one more time. Do you really want to return to God? Some of you right now are like, yes, I know. <laughs> yes, I want to come back, but man, this is a little bit too much. You want me to come to church. You want me to give money to the Lord. And you want me to do things for God. And I have to read the Bible every day. 
And also I have to be a good boy. <laughs> yes, you have to be a good boy and a good girl. Because then is when you can say this. Let me hear the sounds of joy and happiness again. The bones were crushed are going to be happy again. That is the way that you get your joy back. Next Sunday, April 26th, I'm going to share with you a message. It's called How to Live Free from Fear. For, from fear. Because enough is enough. We have to continue being free in God and His presence. And that's what I want to invite you. Pass of today, I think you got what you needed to hear. Now it's time for you. Give your life to God. Do it right. And it starts with a prayer. The prayer is in the screen. You're going to see it in a moment. Say it out loud. Oh, come on. I want to hear you. Say it. Dear God, please forgive me for all my sins. I open my heart to you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I want to obey you and trust you and serve you forever, my Lord. My life needs to be different. I want to commit to you. I need to learn how to focus on you all the time. Please help me, Lord. When you pray that way, I guarantee you, your life is going to be so beautiful. Just remember, it's in the cross where everything starts. So say with me, I am forgiven and saved by faith in Jesus. Therefore, I can also declare my life is going to be great and blessed this year, 2020. In the name of Jesus, thank you for connecting with us. You are blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You have a beautiful rest of the day. Enjoy your family and friends and see you next Sunday in the name of Jesus. Amen. Turns from darkness to light Anytime temptation comes And someone stands to fight Anytime somebody lives to serve And not be served I know, I know, I know, I know Victory Church. We hope you enjoyed the video.